the pandemic, civil unrest, protest, and the road to the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. JKL Engineering, call them today, 401-351-7600, 401-351-7600 for JKL Engineering. This time of year, the temperature, it's getting chilly, it's getting cold. When are you going to first put on your heat? Call JKL Engineering, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts. Remember, estimates are free, financing is available for both residential and commercial Hey, face it, whether we like it or not, the heating season is here. Let J.K. Engineering design and install a natural gas, high-efficiency carrier infinity system. Energy efficient, quiet, more affordable than you think. If you're saying no gas, guess what? No problem. Let J.K. Engineering design and install high-efficiency heat pump system, including ductless splits. Heats in the winter, cools in the summer. These units are so efficient, they can reduce your oil bill by as much as 90%. They have the highest rebates in the market, and they also do new installation and replacement of high-efficiency gas boilers. JKL, licensed Rhode Island and Massachusetts. You know, for over 50 years, JKL's reputation, second to none, especially for technical expertise and customer satisfaction. JKL, an approved National Grid VPI installer. They're also a Navient certified factory dealer. Call JKL today for system replacement, oil to gas, or for heat pump. Remember, estimates are free. Financing is available, both residential and commercial. Call JKL Engineering at 401-351-7600. I'll give you that number again, 401-351-7600. JKL, they'll keep you cool in the summertime, warm in the wintertime. Estimates are free, financing is available, and the highest rebates on the market. Call JKL Engineering, 401-351-7600. You're listening to the John DePietro Show, folks. Weekdays, we start at 11. We go till 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. It's time for our legal segment. Uh, With me is our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd. And Tim, before we... um, jump into um some of the other stories uh that we are going to talk about one thing i and and folks if you missed the updates with uh that we've been doing regarding the brit trial uh they will be posted we've been posting them but they will be all posted uh very uh succinctly on the website dipetro.com tim i'm just wondering um as we said statute of limitations we talked earlier uh the board of elections to me it was uh, somewhat astonishing and the media was astonished that they felt that people were in some cases seemingly blatantly lying to the board of elections. But uh, unless I'm missing something, it seems to be a problem is the the board of elections sounds like a big official agency. And in this case, they did pass it along to the AG, but many times it seems like they either their hands are tied or they just, you know, their bark doesn't have any bite to it with, with some of the things. And I mean, they even mentioned they had to, I think they taped a subpoena to Shauna Lawton's door and she still wouldn't respond to anything. Tim? And and, and speaking of, I do want to start off with that in this segment. Uh, Tim Dodd, the, the defense will have a chance. The state is rest. They're going to make their case. They want the whole thing. Uh, dismissed. The judge, I think, had said that he would reserve on that. So 
it certainly would seem that the case is going to go to its conclusion. There are three witnesses identified. We're not going to get two member, members of the media that were also subpoenaed. I believe uh, Josh Fenton of Go Local Province, Dean York of WPRO, both friends of Britain were also subpoenaed in this. Um, <clears throat> but after that, is there any guideline on how long this could take before he renders a decision? No, John. He'll take as much time as he needs, you know, four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. Um, he's not going to be rushed. Um, he is very efficient amongst the Superior Court judges in getting decisions out. Um, there's really no timeline for any of the judges if they do a bench trial um, as, when, as to when they've got to render a decision. Um, but I've had bench trials with Judge Procassini. Um, He'll take his time. He will then alert counsel um, and or the media when he's going to render his decision. Um, it'll be lengthy. It'll be well uh, researched. Um, it'll be thorough in terms of an analysis of the facts and an application of the law to those facts. Um, so it can be as long as it can be. I would say six to eight weeks would make the most sense. He's wow. not going to sit on this one either because there are, you know, high profile political uh, ramifications to um, unlike most cases because it's high profile people. After the election, seemingly after the election. And then, uh, Tim, based on what we've heard so far, now granted, based on what we've been able to follow and you've been able to follow, two questions. One, would you put Britt on the stand? Do you think he wants to go on the stand? And number two, based on the way this has worked out so far, do you think possibly they should have gone for a jury trial? I think um, Jeff Britt wants to testify. I think this is in large part of a scorched earth kind of defense. He's just looking to poke the people who he thinks have thrown him under the bus in his mind, he wants to poke them all in the eye. So it's going to be scorched earth as much and as long as he can. Maybe he thought that this sort of um, approach might get the parties involved to reach out to the extent political pressure can influence things to help make this case resolve in a different manner. That's a hope that um, some people might have, thinking that cases can get manipulated, but that's more on television shows than in reality. So if he was hoping that this sort of pressure would result in some sort of backroom whatever with the court system, he was pipe dreaming because that's never going to happen. As far as putting Brit on the stand, would I want to put him on the stand? I think he needs to go on the stand because he's going to have to connect the dots that he only did it. He was a dupe. He didn't realize it was illegal. And either Nick or Leo or Matt told him to do it, gave him the money, and he's going to try to make himself look like the errand boy that it wasn't his idea, that it wasn't his cash, that somebody else cooked this scheme up. I think he's going to have to testify. And he gets away with it to a degree because there's very little paper trail. No one has records. There's no contracts. There's no right. nothing. There's just a cash and a couple of checks. 
Um, as far as whether or not this should have gone in front of a jury, I still think the defense made the right decision. A couple of reasons. Um, again, these are high-profile people. Yeah. Some members of the jury might have a um, dislike of politicians generally. It's hard to get through voir dire for people to let you know their true feelings. And the two statutes that are involved here, the money laundering statute and the election interference statute, and especially the misdemeanor, the statutes are so difficult to read and make sense of what the elements of the alleged offense would be. That's better left to a judge. A jury would have a real hard time discerning what the statute was intended to mean. Now, that could help you, that could hurt you if you're the defense. The judge won't be confused, but a jury could very easily be confused because this is not like a murder case or a robbery case. These are very um, sort of arcane statutes, especially the um, election interference statute. It's a, it's a nightmare statute. Folks, again, uh, with us is our legal expert attorney, Tim Dodd. Tim, we're going to... Um pivot to some of the other stories in the news. And I want to start off with this couple in St. Louis that I can't believe that they're being brought up on charges, uh, but they, they are apparently, if you could kind of bring, break it down and give us the latest on that. Well, it's, 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 I don't think they should have been um, indicted, but um, the, um, the, um, in this jurisdiction, it, this is all political appointments. So the prosecutor who is leading the charge for these indictments, I believe, is elected. So this is an election year, and this is red meat for some of her constituents who will be voting. Uh, so it's a feel-good indictment. Um, it'll make a lot of people happy. Um, it's curious because the protesters in this situation um, allegedly broke through a fence yeah. into a gated community. It's posted. It says private property, no trespassing, do not enter. Um, none of the protesters have been charged with anything, not malicious destruction of property, not trespassing, nothing. Um, the two people who came out of their home, and it's a pretty grand house in a pretty yeah. exclusive neighborhood, they came out with weapons, which is lawful to do in the state of Missouri. <clears throat> the trick in this case is you can have a weapon, you can show the weapon, but you can't brandish it and point it at the folks who are threatening you. So because they were waving their weapons around, the wife had a handgun. Yep. He had an AR-15. Because they brandished them and kind of waved them around, pointing them at these protesters who were threatening to their home, threatening yeah. their lives. Um, the, Kill the dog. Uh, yeah. Uttering the most vulgar things you can think of, which are unrepeatable on your air. And these people were scared to death. They articulated that clearly. We thought they were going to burn our house down. They thought they were going to kill us. They thought they were going to come storming into our house. That's what they threatened to do. That's what they said they were going to do. Um, I don't think if this case ever goes to trial that these folks would be convicted. I know the, um, the attorney general for the state of Missouri has promised that if they ever are convicted, he will um, either commute their sentence or... Um, resolve the case so they don't have a conviction 
um, on their criminal record. It's further important because both of these individuals who have been charged are attorneys. So they can't afford to have any criminal conviction for something like this on their record. They could lose their license to practice law. Apparently, they're, they're both pretty high-flying criminal, excuse me, personal injury attorneys. Um, so th the, this is very high stakes. But the prosecution here, I think, is sending more a political message in an election year versus bringing an indictment on a case where they really think they can get a conviction. These two have been charged with um, one of the felonies is the unlawful use of a weapon. And the second is evidence tampering. Um, the, the most serious one here is the unlawful use of a weapon. I mean, if you watch the videos, which give some context to what was happening, um, as you're waving your weapon around, and it happens to be pointed at various points during the arc of your waving at the protesters, um, I don't think that that's really pointing at, at these folks in a specifically directly threatening manner. So I, I don't think these charges will ultimately be sustainable, mm. but for the moment it's serving its political purpose. And sure. it's a shame that this, it's a shame that this appears to be a, a bold faced political prosecution so as to win an election. Folks, we're going to take a quick break. Come right back. Our legal expert attorney, Tim Dodd, right here on the John DePietro show. It's John DePietro on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. This portion of the program is brought to you by West Fountain Auto Body. Now, you know, I didn't make a big deal about it, but my vehicle was actually damaged uh, by some of the protesters when I was covering one of the protests. I didn't make a huge deal about it. I wouldn't want to be the focal point, but it's true. Some of the uh, protesters, they did. They damaged my vehicle. They broke the window on the side of my car. So what did I do? I brought it to West Fountain Auto Body, and you can call them today, 272-3340. I had to get it fixed. It was obviously damaged. They also damaged part of the door. And so I took it to West Fountain. I called Kenny at West Fountain Auto Body, 401-272-3340. It's Kenny and Patricia, West Fountain folks. They did a fantastic job. With me, I mean, that's there was only one place I was going to bring it. I needed to get my car fixed. Now, listen, if you're ever in an automobile accident, something happens to your vehicle, and you need to get it repaired, call West Fountain Auto Body, 272-3340, 272-3340, the original, the best, right behind the Providence Public Safety Complex. It's West Fountain Auto Body. Call them today, 272-3340. They'll handle everything for you. If you're in an accident, something happens to your car, bring it to West Fountain. 400 West Fountain Street, Providence, right behind the Providence Public Safety Complex. West Fountain Auto Body. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www 
www.innovas.com. Brothers Disposal, call them today, 401-688-0517. Brothers Disposal, look for them on Facebook. They have a great page, yellow and purple Laker colors. Brothers Disposal, they'll put a dumpster in your driveway. Maybe are you doing a small household construction project or maybe some project around your home? Call Brothers Disposal. Let's get a dumpster in the driveway. Or maybe you're deciding to do a little bit of a fall clean out, get rid of some of your unwanted belongings. Folks, whether it's in the garage, the basement, or the attic, call Brothers Disposal today. 401-688-0517. They'll put a dumpster in your driveway. Come on, brother. With Brothers Disposal, 401-688-0517. We're speaking with attorney Tim Dodd. And Tim, this next story, uh, this is a local story. And the way I understand it, you have a man that he has a Tesla. And Tesla is (laughs) electric. And he decides to get a license plate. Now, he claims that it could say fake gas. But it has the F and it has the K. But at the registry, they interpret it to mean something other than that. So they won't give him the plate, if I understand this. So then the ACLU gets gets involved. And if you'd be so kind to pick up the story from there. Yes, he's got this plate, F-K-G-A-S. Um, he says it means fake gas. Right. Obviously, it has a second meaning. It could. Um, both of which are intended to say, I've got an electric car. Right. And to heck with the um, fossil fuel industry, yep. if you will. Now, he got the plate. It's on his car. And in fact, the, the Projo puts him on the front, his car on the front page with him smiling with the with the license plate right there. So I guess the journal doesn't think that this is too offensive for its readers to see such five letters in a row right. on a license plate because they're putting it on their front page. Um, after they issued the plate, the registry contacted this gentleman and said, we want this plate back. <laughs> and he said, I'm not giving it back. Right. So litigation ensues. Um, the ACLU gets involved on this guy's behalf. Um, the cooperating attorney with the ACLU on this case is Tom Lyons, who's a very good attorney, really good. He takes on a lot of the ACLU cases. And if you've got an ACLU case and they assign, assign Tom Lyons to you to help you with your case, um, you're very fortunate because he's a very fine lawyer. So they're in federal court and they have the good fortune of um, drawing Judge McElroy, who's been involved in a number of recent high profile decisions. Um, She's new to the bench. She came out with the decision about allowing um, these these mail in ballots with no notary and no witness. Um, She's been involved in a lot of cases recently, which have um, significance in this case. Um, she, I think, made some very good points um, that the state's ability to arbitrarily decide what constitutes offensive language and what is not offensive language, it's too subjective a standard and it interferes with uh, free speech rights. And she said over and over that 
what uh, the registry is doing is unconstitutional. Um, uh, this guy's lawyer, Tom Lyon, says the state can't decide what is good speech or bad speech based upon what the state prefers. And I think that's a very accurate statement. Um, Judge McElroy also points to the U.S. Supreme Court, which has dealt with some similar cases, nothing specifically on point like this. But in terms of free speech, um, there was <laughs> there's one case where a company um, utilized um, a trade name. I'm not saying anything vulgar here. The yep. company's clothing brand was F-U-C-T. So you can you can sound it out, folks, and figure out what they're intending. And um, that, that case had some significance with the U.S. Supreme Court. And Judge Alito, one of the more conservative judges on the court, said giving offense is a viewpoint, which I thought was a very good line. So what's offensive depends upon your point of view. I look at FKGAS, I think it's funny, and I don't care which version of those letters you want to um, infer, either the uh, fake gas or the more vulgar connotation. I, I'm not offended by that. I think that it shows a certain amount of creativity to come up yeah. with such a thing. The problem will come when I always analogize it back to George Carlin, the seven dirty words you That's can't right. say on television, yep. what's going to happen when somebody wants to put something, let's say much more vulgar on a license plate. There's any mm -hmm. number of four letter words that we can all think of, right. which might be offensive. In fact, certainly would be offensive, but if you're offended by somebody who finally gets a four letter word that they can have on their license plate, um, is your offense superior to their right to free expression and free speech? Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I think that what the judge is doing in this case is appropriate, but it's a slippery slope because you can come up with all sorts of creatively vulgar things or overtly vulgar things that could be put on license plates, which... Um, I'm not sure what a court would do with that. I, I would also point out that this case is only at its early stage. Um, the plaintiff, the gentleman with the Tesla, sought a restraining order to keep the state from recovering its plate. So the judge gave him a preliminary injunction. This case will ultimately come up for a fuller, more comprehensive trial. But when the judge... Um, gives this gentleman his preliminary injunction, she's finding amongst other things that his case has a high likelihood of success on the merits, that he is being irreparably harmed, and that he has no other adequate remedy at law. So when she, in order to grant the injunction, finds that he has a high likelihood on the merits, that's good news for him and for his chances of winning when this case goes for a fuller a more comprehensive trial. This is just the first step in a longer process. So he'll get to keep his plate for quite some time. Tim, do you think, I mean, they issued the plate. Is that where they made the mistake? I mean, it could have appealed, but it, it would seem that they issued the plate, but then they didn't like the publicity that he was getting after they issued the plate. Well, 
That's true, but there have been many cases where people have come up with um, uh, sneakily offensive okay. um, combinations of letters which make it past whoever is the speech police at the DMV. The plate gets out there into the world, okay. and then it gets recalled. Um, yep. Um, for instance, <laughs> one of the one of the plates that uh, was out there, and I believe it was recalled, was B A A S T D, which is the Rhode Island way of saying bastard. Oh yeah. So, <laughs> so you can come up with all sorts of things. Mm. Which um, another one was P P L S U C, people suck. Oh now, yeah. Is that offensive or is that funny? I think it's funny. I don't have right. a problem with it at all. Um, would I like to see somebody with a blatant uh, four-letter word, letter plate that's uh, the F word or the S word or the C word? I, I wouldn't be so comfortable with that. But I sure. think if, she, if the judge allows this, it's going to be hard for her to say, well, you can have this, but you can't have that. Folks, again, uh, with this attorney, Tim Dodd, quick break. And then more with Tim Dodd right here on the John DePietro Show. Well, during these days of unrest, this is a time to visit our friend John Francis at Competition Shooting Supplies, located 435 Benefit Street in Pawtucket. Competition Shooting Supplies. The owner, John Francis, folks, no one more knowledgeable. You can call him at 727-1716, 401-727-1716. Competition shooting supplies. When they say defund the police, you say competition shooting supplies, firearms, ammunition, accessories. No one more knowledgeable. Folks, we're living in a time of unrest. You need to be able to protect yourself. Stop in and see my friend, John Francis. Your Second Amendment headquarters is competition shooting supplies. 435 Benefit Street in Pawtucket. You take the last exit off of 95, drive past the Attleboro train station, and then you're at the intersection of Newport Avenue and Benefit Street. Hang a left and you'll see competition shooting supplies. 435 Benefit Street. Call them 727-1716. Remember, when they see defund the police, you say competition shooting supplies, firearms, ammunition. Maybe you're going to be a first-time purchaser. John will walk you through the whole process. Stop it and see them at Competition Shooting Supplies. Attention business owners. In today's world, customers judge you by your website. And for most people, their first introduction to your business or company is your website. Karen Etchells at InnoVast is here to help. Give her a call at 401-321-2799. Hey, now it's 2020. You got to freshen up that old website design that Al Gore invented. If you've been thinking about updating your website or if you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business, you could receive a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional. And she's been doing this work for 25 years. Contact Karen Etchells at InnoVast Digital Marketing. She will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Give Karen a call for a free consultation at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. This winter, you can depend on Henry Oil. Call them today, 
521-0200. Make Henry Oil, make the switch. Make Henry Oil your reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery company. 401-521-0200. Residential, commercial, fuel oil delivery, fuel oil, diesel, gasoline, reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery. It's Henry Oil, serving most of Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. Call them today, 401 521 0200. Remember, with Henry Oil, automatic delivery, budget plans, service contracts, lock and cap pricing. Check out their website, henryoil.com, or call them today, 401 521 0200. Henry Oil. Since 1947, they have a great family history and they are just terrific. You can depend on Carmine and Lori and the great folks at Henry Oil. Call them today, 401 521 0200. Check them out online at henryoil.com. Residential and commercial fuel oil delivery, service contracts, budget plans, reliable, affordable fuel oil delivery. Serving most of Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass, it's Henry Oil. Call them 401 521 0200. This winter, I'm asking you to switch to Henry Oil online at henryoil.com. We're speaking with attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, uh, our next story, our legal analyst, uh, boy, this, this was uh, like something out of a movie, just brutal. We saw the surveillance tape that was released. Nine-year-old girl in Providence gets off the bus right near the Hartford Avenue projects, I believe. And as she is trying to walk um, to wherever down the street, suddenly a man pulls his car over, leaps out, literally abducts her, puts her in the back, uh, she's then found, I think, sometime around four o'clock. They they were able to get him and track him down. Luis Martinez Romero, thirty-four years old, nine-year-old girl. Now happens to be, he's he's married, and they when they find him, he's holding his infant. Uh, very good police work. They did interview the girl. She mentioned the Burger King, and then they were able to, I believe, tra- trace him. Surveillance footage of him at. Burger King in Cranston, and then even paid with a debit card. But uh, he is being charged with kidnapping and sexual assault of this nine-year-old girl. I believe it's second-degree sexual assault without be, with being sensitive to the case. What, what can you tell us about these charges? Uh, yes. First of all, the, the video, if any of your listeners haven't seen it, you should look at It's the most chilling thing you can see. I mean, it's like yeah. it's like out of a movie. It took seconds for this little girl to get grabbed by this guy. No, I mean, there's a video which he didn't anticipate, I'm sure, capturing the whole thing. But it's seconds, probably five seconds. And it was over. He grabbed her. She's in the car. Boom, he's gone. Um, horrifying horrifying situation he has been charged with significant significant uh felonies here first he's been charged with kidnapping of a minor and if you read the statute clearly he has acted in such a way that he satisfies the elements of kidnapping of a minor if he is convicted of that he is potentially um subject to a sentence to life imprisonment or a term not less than 20 years. Wow. So 20 years is the minimum, mandatory minimum up to life. That's a capital offense. That's one of the reasons that he's being held at the ACI without bail. 
Um, for capital offenses, it's pretty standard that um, the uh, defendant would be held without bail, or at some point, such a high surety bail would be suggested that he could never meet the um, the bail requirements. And you know, certainly, he satisfies the element he should be kept in jail because he's a he's a danger to the community and he's a threat to not keep the keep peace and be of good behavior. I mean, this conduct is crazily criminal if true it's all alleged right now but it doesn't look good for him second degree sexual assault that's what the media is reporting it really should be second degree child molestation but sticking with it as a second degree sexual assault that is an unlawful touching for sexual gratification but it does not include penetration so it can be fondling of other body parts but no penetration he is uh being held without bail uh is that the norm for a crime like this oh absolutely absolutely kidnapping is. is a capital offense sexual assault is capital and um it's would be unthinkable that he would have been released uh at this juncture being held without bail is standard operating procedure for such, if the allegations are true, a pretty, pretty heinous, pretty scary, pretty disturbing um, set of facts. Tim Dodd, our final story, and the reason I, I, this really struck my attention is because there is a lot of anger out there and people are acting out of the norm. And this business of people arguing about masks, people need to be cautious because what they think is just could be a simple altercation. Uh, you never know who's behind that mask. And th- this is a story. This 65-year-old man, I mean, it, it, it quickly turns into a, a, just a, an argument, and then suddenly it's, it's, it's death. Yes, this happened, I believe, in the state of New York. Um, this is at a bar, and there is, a, I believe, a 65-year-old guy who is at the bar by himself, and he doesn't have a mask. And there's another gentleman who is, I believe, 80 with a mask. And he decides that he's going to be the, you know, enforcer of whatever and goes up to the 65-year-old man and starts giving him a hard time about not having a mask, you know, scolding him and scolding him. You should have a mask, you know, going on and on. Finally, the 65-year-old guy you know, I'm not sure what words he says, but as if to say, get out of my face, he pushes the guy. And I guess he pushes him kind of hard, like, get away from me. Mind your own business. Um, he pushes him. The man falls backwards, hits his head, and dies. Terrible, tragic situation. When this gentleman who didn't have a mask pushed the other guy away because he was being scolded, um, he didn't intend to kill him, but he did assault him. And he did assault him. I guess witnesses say he pushed him very hard. The man falls backwards. He hits his head. He dies. Um, that's manslaughter, John. That is a manslaughter case. It's the killing of another. There's no malice of forethought, but there is a reckless disregard for life. There's no real intent, but <clears throat> it's it's a in the first instance, there was a crime being committed. He assaulted him, but he assaulted him and pushed him so hard. The question will be, was it with reckless disregard 
for human life. Now, this guy, I'm sure, says when I pushed him, I never dreamed in a million years that he'd hit his head and die. But that's the consequences of undertaking something that is mildly criminal, an assault, pushing somebody away, that in this case escalates into a major, major problem for this guy because he will be charged with manslaughter. And um, in the current uh, environment of not wearing a mask, A, so he doesn't look great, and pushing an 80-year-old guy, which doesn't look great, you know, well, you're a big man, you're pushing some 80-year-old guy who's telling you to do the right thing. Um, it's not a set of facts which um, makes this uh, defendant look very attractive in the eyes of the general public. No. And Tim, just uh, again, we'll have to wait and see how this plays out. But uh, is, is there an occasion where someone gets convicted of manslaughter and then there's no jail involved? Well, if he were to plead in a case like this, I mean, he, he, oh, he's, okay. I don't know if he's got a criminal record. We don't know much, but let's assume he's got sure. no criminal record, but this is just part of, in this day and age, people are on edge. Um, patience is people's, no one has any patience for anything. Everyone's irritated. Everyone's irritable. Yeah. Assuming he's got no criminal record. You know, he might not go to jail, but he could get something like a 10 year suspended sentence with community service. Mm. There's any number of dispositions which were, which would equate to a conviction, but not necessarily sending this guy off to jail for any time or potentially a minimal amount of time. And that would require him, you know, coming in mea culpa, you know, and not fighting this thing and coming in from the cold early and trying to cut a deal versus protesting his innocence and taking this to trial. Uh, Tim, Tim Dodd, before I let you go, Rhode Island Supreme Court Justice uh, Frank Flaherty to retire. Any uh, dealings with him or anything um, you want to mention about Justice Flaherty uh, announcing now he's, he's set to retire at the end of the year? It's, um, it's a sad day for us attorneys because Judge Flaherty is and always has been um, – a wonderful judge to appear in front of. He was great when he was the mayor. He was great in private practice. He's gregarious. He's friendly. He'll always stop and have a chat. He has a wonderful command of the law. When you argue in front of the Supreme Court, um, you know, it can get nasty. You can get some real fastballs thrown at your head from the judges asking very pointed questions. And he can do it too, but he's always done it in a very... Um, um, appropriate way. Um, he's just a pleasure to be in front of as, as a jurist. And um, when he's gone, we'll miss him. It does kind of um, create opportunities for Governor Raimondo um, because mm. she's been on the horns of a dilemma as to who to um, uh, choose to replace Judge Indeglia. But now she's going to have a second pick uh, and she may now well have the opportunity to put in perhaps her first choice, and she'll have now another choice which might um, satisfy some folks who have been complaining about the composition of the court up to now. Um, so I think that uh, Governor Raimondo will be sorry to lose Judge Flaherty, but it creates some wonderful political opportunities for her in terms of who she now appoints for two seats. It's good news for her. Mm -hmm. 
folks, he's our uh, legal legal analyst attorney, Tim Dodd. Tim, great job as always. We're going to continue to follow the Brit trial. We'll talk to you. Thanks, John. Take care. The fall is a great time to have some work done on your lawn. Call Lawn Doctor today. Give them a call. Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island. Remember, this time of year, well, late summer, early fall, warm days, cool nights, get the fertilization going. And also, you want to make sure you stay up on weed control. Watering is a perfect time this year. The water remains nice and dry. Remember, moisture, very important for your lawn. And less watering is better. And mowing, you don't have to mow as often. And on top of that, you want to make sure right now, the fall, this can be a perfect time for your lawn. Get it back in order. Listen, it was a dry summer. Call Lawn Doctor today, 401-392-1025. Get a quick, easy quote, 401-392-1025. Or remember, they have a great website. It's LawnDoctor.com. LawnDoctor.com. Give them a call. Quick, easy quote, 401-392-1025. Attention business owners. In today's world, customers judge you by your website. And for most people, their first introduction to your business or company is your website. Karen Etchells at InnoVest is here to help. Give her a call at 401-321-2799. Hey, now it's 2020. You got to freshen up that old website design that Al Gore invented. If you've been thinking about updating your website or if you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business, you could receive a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional and she's been doing this work for 25 years. Contact Karen Etchells at InnoVest Digital Marketing. She will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Give Karen a call for a free consultation at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. Mega truck and trailer repair. Call them today. Commercial trailers, diesel equipment, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-2110. 508-336-2110 for Mega M-E-G-A, Mega truck and trailer repair. As I said, commercial trailers, diesel equipment, free estimates, FHWA inspections and Rhode Island State Inspection Station, trailer pickup and delivery, 24-hour mobile service, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts. It's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 24-hour mobile service, and also ABS repairs, brakes, doors. Listen, if it's on a trailer, MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair, they can repair it. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 508-336-2110. It's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. Weekdays, we start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, depetro.com. Don't forget, depetro.com, sponsored by Mills Coffee. You can link right through. Joining us right now, we talk to him each week. He uh, covers Rhode Island for the Boston Globe. It is Dan McGowan. Um, well, we have completed two days of the much-anticipated Jeff Brick trial. The uh, Globe's Ed Fitzpatrick has been inside. I thought he's uh, written some very lengthy, concise, accurate stories. I have also been inside. 
And uh, I'm anxious to hear your perspective on how you feel and what has stood out to you the first two days, simply because, number one, you know politics. Number two, I know you know Jeff Britt pretty well. And um, and then we could talk about it a little bit. I'd, I'd like to hear just your initial impressions. Yeah, I mean, I think you and I probably fall along the same lines on this. I thought, uh, you know, day one, I thought got off to a relatively slow start. I, I think that it's fairly clear, I think you would agree with this, that Shauna Lawton, the first uh, witness, uh, you know, and who, who had the mailer, uh, you know, sent out on, you know, on her behalf, uh, you know, who is at the center of this in many ways is very much kind of the, the patsy in, in a lot of ways. I mean, you know, her, yes. she didn't know what, what she was getting into, uh, uh, you know, even presumably she didn't even really know what she was getting into and in running for office, let alone meeting a character like Jeff Britt and then running into the, um, you know, into the campaign world that kind of Nick Mattiello runs in. Um, I thought it got better throughout the day on Monday in part because uh, the characters are just are, are, are too Rhode Island to even speak of. Uh, it, it was unbelievable listening to an Ed Catunio, who's, you know, the mail ballot guy really, you know, and has been that way described. He worked for Dupree. He worked for Buddy Cianci. Uh, and, and so, you know, he's an interesting character. Uh, his wife, uh, in her own right, very similarly, an interesting character. I thought Tuesday was a more important day. And, and the reason being is that the private detective or private uh, investigator who uh, was hired by the, by Jeff Britt and, and by extension in some ways, the Mattiello campaign, I thought offered the most damning testimony we've heard yet um, against Mr. Britt. Uh, it was very clear that, you know, he, he was, he's certainly the, in many ways, I think the star witness for the prosecution explaining in fairly clear terms that he was paid, uh, you know, a thousand dollars in cash by Mr. Britt. Uh, now he was muddied up a little bit with, with, with uh, Mr. Britt's attorney, uh, uh, Bob Carenti to kind of basically, you know, they're trying to paint him as, you know, something of an unsavory figure was trying to get a job at the state house, things like that. But I'm not quite sure it, it, it's going to, it almost, I don't know if, if you would agree with this, John, but what it made me think was, boy, if this was a jury, I would say maybe there's somebody in the jury who might buy this argument that you just can't trust that guy. I'm not sure this judge who has been around a really long time and is generally uh, pretty well respected was going to buy the, the argument from the Brit side that, this was, you know, that, that, that this guy just was forgetting everything and, and things like that. I, I thought he offered the most damning testimony against uh, uh, Jeff Brown. I'm curious what you think about that. I, I think that's accurate, Dan. You know what has been missing here is because it's a bench trial, we didn't get the normal opening arguments where you right. hear, you know, what we're going to show is now a couple of things have, have kind of filtered out almost like an alternate theory that they, if you will, that they're trying to flow. One is that uh, you know, this was uh, the Republican Party was up against Brit and, you know, Shauna Lawton, you had it out for the Republican Party. And then, you know, Vic, you didn't want your tracks there. And then then the other thing is this business of of trying to be that it was like the Matty Yellow campaign, not just this operative. But I think you're right on the money. What what has been consistent here that I have found the past two days and 
you know, you, you can tell the, the people on the stand that like Shauna Lawton and Vic Pichette and, and they kind of were, were just that Patsy's kind of long for the ride. They woe the day that their paths crossed. They were assured that it was no big deal. Um, the, the, they both set up a, a scene of that. Basically, it was, it was a Brit operation. He, he dreamed it up. He contacted them. He gave them the money for it. Especially Vic Pichette today, as much as Carenti, you know, that's not what you said to the grand jury. It it wasn't that dramatic. And I know Bob Carenti's trying to do his job and he tried to be antagonistic, antagonistic with them. But I, you know, just some of the underlings, Dan McGowan, it, it's also, you know, you and I were both watching as this election was taking place and this was behind the scenes and they were trying to come up with something. I mean, you tell me. Based on what you've heard, this certainly sounds like it was a classic Brit operation, and you can envision him kind of orchestrating all of this. Well, the funny thing, John, about this, and, and as, as somebody, and you and I have talked about this before, as, as a reporter who has dealt with Jeff Britt for a very long time. I mean, I've known Jeff now, God, since 2012, so we're talking eight years, and he's been around much longer yep. than me, but I've certainly you know, used him as a source and reported on him and certainly reported sure. on people he's worked for. Um, the, the, the interesting thing is listening to this idea of, you know, the, the attempting to connect some of the, what, what, you know, he allegedly did in this, in, in, in the Mattiello campaign, attempting to kind of push it back to the campaign. It is, it, 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 you kind of find it a little bit humorous because most campaign operatives, Mr. Britt included, when things go right, take all the credit in the world, right? You wouldn't, yes. you wouldn't yep. know in 2016, you wouldn't necessarily know that Nick Mattiello won the campaign. You'd think that it was right. Jeff Britt and maybe Ed Catunio, the mail ballot guy. Uh, there, there are a lot of people who take credit and now all of a sudden to kind of try to link it all back to whether or not, you know, Speaker Mattiello, you know, was in charge. It, it is, it, like I said, it's a little bit humorous. Now, what is very interesting and what my sense has been the entire way here, you know, we've got two major kind of uh, points that we still have to figure out. Number one, this was brought up by the judge on Tuesday, was it appears as though this, this argument that money, that money laundering happened, which is the felony in this case, uh, this right. is the first time it's really been applied to a political campaign in this way. So. Yep. There's a big question about whether or not the judge is going to say, you know, something clearly went wrong here. I'm not sure that it's money laundering. So that's one right. one angle. The, the the other big thing that I'm kind of waiting for is the flip side to, you know, the, the, the defense's kind of side of this case. When they call in a Leo Skenyon, the chief of staff to the speaker, when they call in the speaker, and when they call in Matt Jerzyk, who's another political operative, because... What I think is going to the, the picture very clearly that Mr. Britt and Mr. Carenti are trying to paint here is this, you know, this is a this was a sophisticated campaign that had lots of people in charge. You heard that yesterday. You know, uh, I, 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 you couldn't get anything by Jeff Britt or you couldn't get anything by Leo Skenyon. And I, I think the effort is going to be to almost blur the lines here to say there's no way this independent contractor had all of this authority the, the the hard part to believe as a reporter here is i fully believe and, and and covered it to some degree that yes there is a ton of leeway 
that trusted campaign operatives are given during yes. campaign. So I think that's really important yep. for people to know. I'm not sure, though, how it will play out in a courtroom. Yeah. Are you surprised that he went with the bench trial? Because I, I think you're right. If if this were a jury trial, some of it's a little slower. was yesterday. Some of it could be people maybe not fully understanding all the machinations of what's wrong. But it's not going to fall that way with the judge. As we're two days in, I mean, not to, but do, do you think that maybe the move would have been to go with the jury trial? Yes. I mean, that, that's what yeah. I was thinking. Now, you and I are not attorneys, and so who knows? And we're not, you know, um, certainly we haven't had to be in, in a situation like this. And so I'm not sure what, you know, Bob Carenti is a very good attorney. So I'm sure that he has some thought process here too. But yeah, I mean, that's what I, if I was trying to, leave some level of doubt, I think I would take my chances on a group, on, a, on you know, a jury of my peers, more than a judge who, uh, you know, on one hand, the judge's reputation is that he tends to be relatively lenient on sentences. I think he's definitely yep. a, a, a kind of a, a you know, a criminal justice reform type, uh, I, I think would be fair to say. And so maybe you say, look, even in the worst case scenario here, you're guilty, Judge is probably not going to put you in prison, uh, you know, during uh, the during a pandemic, uh, you know, and things like that. So maybe you weigh those those situations. But um, yeah, I mean, to me, if I was trying to really kind of muddy things up, I think I would want a jury to be able to to make that call, not a, a judge who's been around a long time and seen a lot. Folks, we're going to take a quick break. Come right back. Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe right here on the John DePietro Show. Brothers Disposal, call them today, 401-688-0517. Brothers Disposal, look for them on Facebook. They have a great page, yellow and purple, Laker colors. Brothers Disposal, they'll put a dumpster in your driveway. Maybe are you doing a small household construction project or maybe some project around your home? Call Brothers Disposal, let's get a dumpster in the driveway. Or maybe you're deciding to do a little bit of a fall clean out, get rid of some of your unwanted belongings. Folks, whether it's in the garage, the basement, or the attic, call Brothers Disposal today, 401-688-0517. They'll put a dumpster in your driveway. Come on, brother, with Brothers Disposal, 401-688-0517. 